Hello again, space people. This is Today in Space, and we have a fully loaded podcast once again for you, filled to the brim with all things space science. This week, I went to the public conversation at the Boston Public Library to see Robert Stone and Alan Andres talk about their project, Chasing the Moon, and basically everything Apollo era. I want to thank them both for doing something like this and bringing the conversation to people face-to-face and not just digitally. You know, the entire hall of people were into it and excited to talk space. I mean, it was pretty full for a Thursday around 6 o'clock in the city in a library. So uh, that was great. And overall, it was a fantastic time. I even got to meet Robert Stone and Alan Andres in person. Uh, I even got a copy of the hardcover book, and uh, I got it. I got a sign from both of them, so that was awesome. Uh, there's that there. Pretty cool. And it was really interesting to listen to two people who spent the last five years totally engulfed in creating the six-hour film slash movie slash documentary to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. I We'll definitely be watching the Chasing the Moon doc on PBS this week as the 50th is just around the corner. I literally just went online and searched for Chasing the Moon PBS and I started streaming the first part of my phone online. Literally anyone can watch this online right now for free. So go do it. If uh, if you if it's anything like the audiobook, then it's going to be great. And it's going to be perfect for the 50th coming up this week. And uh, you can get your free audiobook by going to Audible Trial. And you can get the free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash todayinspace. The start of the Apollo 11 mission was July 16th, and the actual moon landing uh, was July 20th, 1969. NASA's putting together demonstrations this year around the world. I will be watching the Chase in the Moon doc on PBS this week, as the 50th is only just around the corner. I literally just went online, searched for Chase in the Moon PBS, and I started watching the first part on my phone. Literally anyone can watch this right now uh, for free. So go do it. And if it's anything like the audiobook, it's going to be great and perfect for the 50th coming up this week. Uh, you can get the audiobook for free by going to audibletrial.com slash todayinspace. The start of the Apollo 11 mission was July 16th, and the actual moon landing was July 20th, 1969. NASA is putting on demonstrations this year around the country at centers, and there's a link this in this episode where you can find one near you. In Washington, D.C., they're projecting a Saturn V on the Washington Monument and protect, projecting the footage from the mission on the big screens for all to see. I, I think they did that with Chasing the Moon recently, too. Uh, it's been a really interesting time for me to see public interest rise for space because of the moon landing anniversary. It's also been interesting in another way to see the public interest in space rise thanks to the internet planned raid on Area 51 to save aliens and steal alien tech. If you haven't already seen the memes pouring out of the internet, I'm sharing my favorites on our Facebook page. Uh, And I don't think the wave of interest is over. I mean, I haven't seen this kind of interest in space in a long time, and it would be a real mindfuck, though, if they tried to go on the raid, and the government got an air horn, and they were like, all right, everyone, enough is enough. (laughs) There are aliens, okay? We've known about this forever. Relax. Here is Pollock 2. He's from the planet Omega, from the Beetlejuice star system. He was the mind behind the PlayStation. He's waiting a long time to speak with you. (laughs) If you're one of the Area 51 raiders, what do you do if they do that? I don't know. 
but it's it's been ridiculous and the good thing is it's still interest in space so i'll take it i'll take it uh, then at the same time, there's a video clip from Joe Rogan's podcast going around where he talks about how he changed his mind on the conspiracy theory that the moon landing was fake. Again, the link to that is in the description of this episode today in space. Because yes, there will be a ton of moon landing deniers out there and out on the internet. So it was pretty cool to see Joe's response to that. And I liked hearing his logic about it. I thought that was great. Uh, it was a good interview with Arian Foster too. Uh, but basically the the point of me bringing up all these things and that there's so much that's happened since the last episode is because this is a really crazy time and uh you know outside of space it's just a crazy time in general um seemingly as crazy as the world was back in 1969 different for sure different but (laughs) for years now my friends and i have been joking that Today, there were parallels to the 60s and 70s. Very different again, but the levels of hysteria, violence, and feeling that there's no hope and no future seems to be the same, as I've been learning. You know, there there really is a bit of that in the world today uh, on a mainstream level, that things are as bad as they have ever been, and they will never get better. Uh, this is a point that both Robert Stone and Alan Andres made during their talk, Back during the space race, space programs provided a view of a fantastic future where there was no limit to the possibilities thanks to technology and science solving the world's problems. Landing on the moon showed everyone in the world that incredible and basically impossible things can be achieved in a time of racism and violence with leaders being assassinated and the country being at war. Landing on the moon represented hope. It brought everyone around the world together as human beings, not as individual countries or peoples. As I learned in Chasing the Moon, there was an enormous amount of work put into the symbolism of this mission, apparently more than any other before it. What I found funny was how much conflict there was in the optics of how the U.S. would look being the first on the moon. How much work was put into making sure the mission represented a victory for all of mankind and not just U.S., not just the U.S. conquering another land in space. Luckily, that is not a concern in 2019, thanks to the fact that the Apollo 11 mission was about humankind's step forward for all of us together 50 years later, and the iconic mission is still influencing people. Content like Chasing the Moon, Apollo 11, First Man, are all great pieces of work that were made to help us rekindle the interest of space travel and continue the long-term goals of JFK and those before him and after to make mankind better and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I'm all fired up now. And now we have a lot of things to cover in this week's Orville News segment, so let's just jump in. The SpaceX Raptor engine testing has begun. The Starship hover test is coming up. Elon Musk stated on Twitter that the hover test of the Raptor engine in Starship will be on this upcoming Tuesday and will attempt to hover to 20 meters and move a little sideways. The next Starship, Mark 1, would attempt to hover to 20 kilometers, and Elon Musk has given an optimistic timeline for that to happen in a few months. SpaceX should also be doing a Starship update soon, and it should be after the hover test, so end of this month, and we'll learn more about the changes to Starship and hopefully what's next for them. 
Starship and the BFR represent a giant leap forward for human beings to travel into space for long durations and return. Compared to the Apollo command module, the larger capsules like Orion and Boeing's CST-100 Starliner are a big step up with Orion able to carry up to four human passengers in the Starliner, able to hold up to seven human crew on board. Starship is planned to bring anywhere from one to a hundred human crew members, and that's because the stainless steel Starship was designed to launch and land on other destinations like the Moon and Mars. Granted, the other two spacecraft, Orion and Starliner, are farther along in their development. All that means for us is that we are gonna have a lot more fun watching the testing from SpaceX. They're preparing a hover test as we talked about Tuesday, and it'll get higher and higher each time. So we're really excited to see what SpaceX does, and most importantly, how they share it to the public so we can all see it. Now, because Starship is able to travel so far, it's also gonna have on board a way to create fuel for a return trip. So for the moon, this could be achieved without having to make fuel while you're on the moon, although you totally could, and that's because they would fill Starship while it's orbiting Earth before it ends up going to the moon. Now for Mars, they would have to create fuel on Mars in order to launch from the surface and land back on Earth, which means most likely a uh, mission to the poles where water ice has been located, probably South Pole. Uh, if you haven't already, check out episode 145 on the Dear Moon mission to learn more about Starship and the BFR. Uh, LightSail 2 is now operational. It's taken an image from orbit, uh, looking back at Earth, which you can find in a link in the this episode's description if you want to take a look more. LightSail 1 originally showed that it was possible for SolarSail to work. Uh, it did end up having issues deploying the full shoot and, you know, still accomplished its mission. LightSail 2 has already accomplished more than that first mission. So it's really excited to see what's next for LightSail 2. We'll dive more into that. Uh, Hayabusa 2 landed on the surface of the asteroid Ryugu for the second time. This time, uh, it's looking to recover some soil for the return home. And at NASA, there have been leadership changes. Uh, both the first and second in command for NASA's Human Exploration and Operations Division have been reassigned to other advisory roles. Ken Bowersox, a former astronaut, has replaced William Gerstenmeier as first in command. Gerstenmeier has been the head of the division uh, in charge of human exploration and operations since 2005 and resigned shortly after reassignment. This means Gerstenmeier has been the head of the HEO division since after the shuttle disasters through its retirement and now uh, at the cusp of the commercial crew program and start of the Artemis mission push for 2024, he's leaving. So uh, I have no ill will for uh, against Gerstenmeier, uh, although I'm sure I could find people in the space industry that could argue that it's been stagnant in that time. I, I think he's kept it alive. Uh, I wish both... Gerstenmeier and the current NASA administration. I wish them both luck. I wish uh, Ken Bowersox luck while he attempts to achieve this really <laughs> short goal of five years to the moon with Artemis. I hope that since the change has been made, that the new leadership is ready to develop a culture and a team that, that can accomplish this feat in a short amount of time. They will really need to focus on their balance of science and engineering to make sure they don't get caught up in the bureaucracy of details and focus purely on accomplishing tasks and goals as best as possible in the least amount of time as possible. This means meeting deadlines that are set and getting the team at NASA all on board 
for the long road ahead the next five years. It's been a long time since NASA themselves were launching humans for the majority of Gersten Meyer's leadership. Basically, there's been no actual launches from NASA so uh, that are that are human related. You know, ever since the shuttle was retired in 2011, we have uh, NASA has not been launching humans. Uh, now that means the momentum is off for what NASA is ready for. So there's just a lot of work ahead, and I wish the new head of the HEO astronaut Ken Bowersox the best of luck. Uh, India's mission to the moon uh, is launching today as we're recording it, so we'll follow up on that next week. There's a ton left for space. Uh, we've got the rest of this month to go. I may be going to Houston soon, so I may be able to check out the Space Center and the the actual recreation of Houston Center for the Apollo missions. That would be amazing. So there's a ton to come, guys. I'm super excited about what's what's left. Thank you for listening. As always, you can check us out at todayinspace.net. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify. And you can also check out AG3D, which is the idea workshop that helps fund Today in Space. So we help customers want to bring who want to bring their ideas into reality. We use 3D printing and design services to do that. We also just make fun stuff too, which you can check out on our Instagram page at AG3D Printing. Uh, we just have been doing a back and forth between Today in Space and AG3D uh, for the Apollo 50th. So we just recently did a time lapse of a 3D print of the Saturn V. So you can check that out. And we've got another, we've got a, the Apollo command module that we're 3D printing. That time lapse is coming out soon. So you can check that out, learn about 3D printing, and really get excited about what's actually here and what what's possible in the future, thanks to both 3D printing and the space industry. So we're going to cover all of that very, very soon. Thank you again for joining us. See you next week.